Our epistle reading this morning is from Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, we are almost finished with our fall sermon series on stewardship, and we have had a lot of very positive feedback on this series, and I think it's because we have all been reminded of the immensity of God's grace and goodness in our lives and uh, in our world. And we are deliberately seeking to expand our view of stewardship beyond that dollar amount we write on our pledge card uh, each year. Today I am humbled and privileged to be able to preach to you about the stewardship of prayer. When I first heard that phrase, it sounded a little odd to me. I didn't usually combine or use the word prayer with stewardship like that. But one of the things um, I have discovered in my research this week is that several churches have annual pledge drives, like we do, but not for money, not for time and talents, they have pledge drives and pledge cards for prayer, the stewardship of prayer. Now, why is that? Well, one church explained it this way on their website. The foundation of all other forms of stewardship is prayer, giving back to God a generous portion of our love through a prayerful relationship with our Creator. Another said, when we turn to God in prayer and worship, we open our minds and hearts to the many graces that already surround us. Not to pray often means that we do not experience the awareness of God's loving presence around us. Not to pray is a failure to acknowledge the source of all life and holiness. Well, what does prayer have to do with stewardship? How else but through prayer can we know that God is the source of everything we have and are? How can we feel it in our bones except by prayer? Prayer, that opening of our minds and hearts to the, to the grace upon grace that already um, surrounds us. Prayer gives us the ability to recognize how God has blessed us. I realize that it is not always easy to feel blessed when the emotional or spiritual or financial rug has been pulled out from under your feet. Even when I am in a place of instability like that, I have found that if I set aside some time or go to some place where I can rest in the presence of God. I experience God's loving presence in 
the people around me, in the environment, the season of the year, in the beauty of the written word or music or art. And then eventually, I began to feel a sense of God's peace welling up in my heart and in my mind. Like our scripture said, do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which is beyond any human understanding, will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ. What an amazing promise that is to us. God longs to do good things for us and in our lives and in our world. God longs to have us experience fullness of joy and peace. And the promise is for here and now, today, no matter what your circumstances. But the key that unlocks the fruit and experience of that promise is prayer. It's prayer. How can I repay the Lord for all the good done for me? That's what the psalmist cries out. A, a few verses on in our uh, passage from Psalm 116 in verse 12. What can I give back to God for the blessings of grace upon grace that have been poured out upon me? Asks the psalmist. The answer is not double the amount of your financial pledge and that will repay God. The answer is not give more of your time and talent to helping others. The answer from the psalmist is this. I will lift up the cup of salvation and I will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pray to God in the presence of the congregation. I will offer up to God the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call upon God's holy name. How will I repay God for all of the blessings shown to me in this life? The answer is prayer. Prayer. In the work of our sessions, ministry, and budget task force that met over the past year, we discovered that several churches do not have annual financial pledge drives. And yet, mysteriously, the needs of the congregation are provided for abundantly by the people. So how does something like that happen? Now, I'm just guessing because I didn't really thoroughly investigate this, but I'm wondering if those churches may have a focus or a pledge drive for prayer, a focus on prayer in their congregation. I don't know for sure, but I do know that prayer softens our hearts. It deepens our faith, and it changes us. Prayer changes us more and more into the image of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Prayer changes us, transforms us, and fills our heart with a desire to return thanks. The writer of James speaks in the fifth chapter about the prayer of faith that has great power 
in its effects. Could it be, I wonder, that that prayer of faith is prayer offered in the faith that the one who upholds us will be faithful no matter what our circumstances, the circumstances of our lives or of the world, that that God will be faithful no matter what the outcome of our particular prayers, whether or not God changes the circumstances of our lives, God always changes the one who prays. Whether God changes our circumstances or not is not what is important. The important thing to remember and to know is that God changes the one who prays. In a scene from the movie Shadowlands, writer and scholar C.S. Lewis has just quietly married his beloved Joy, who is dying of cancer. And when he returns to teach at university, one of his colleagues asks him, what news is there? Lewis answers him, ah, good news, good news, thinking that he means that Joy must be feeling better. She wasn't. His colleague replies, oh, I know how hard you've been praying, and now God is answering your prayer. That's not why I pray, Harry, Lewis responds. I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time. My prayer does not change God, it changes me. I once heard Jane Venard, a UCC pastor and author of several books about prayer, speaking at a luncheon where she addressed the question many of us have had about why God seems to answer one person's prayer and not another person's prayer. Why does one child who has gone missing get found and the other does not? Why does one loved one die from cancer and another one live? Jane touched on the mystery of this in her talk when she explained how God's love envelops the world. And when we pray for others, it opens both of us it opens both us and them to receive God's love. Regardless of the results of our prayers, the person being prayed for is being made more available to receive God's love. It is an opening up in ourselves as well as the person we are praying for. It is, this, it is as if our threshold is lowered and God is able to enter in. It is less thinking about whose prayers are answered and whose are not, as it is God's love enveloping you and those you pray for. For years I felt so helpless every time I would receive one of those flyers in the mail that that asks us, have you seen this child? 
and then they give the vital statistics, where and with whom they were last seen, uh, a picture at the time of their disappearance, and then a description or an artist's best rendering of what they might look like now. And it used to just break my heart whenever I would see one of those. So several years ago, I don't think this was my decision, I think it was a leading, a strong leading from the Spirit of God, I decided that instead of feeling helpless, I would see those flyers as a call to prayer. And so now, every time I receive one, I say the same sort of prayer each time. I say a simple prayer for the child. God may Jamie, and, and I use the name, the power of the name. God may Jamie feel a strong sense of how much she is loved by you. Please place your angels of protection around her. And then, it's a little harder because I don't know what the circumstances are. I pray for the adult they were seen with. God, please give Sarah a heart of love that makes choices for good and not for evil in Jamie's life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I lift up a prayer asking for God's love to enter in to whatever that situation is. It's an example of the stewardship of prayer. It's just one example. I wish I had more of those to share with you. Our lives should be filled with those. When we hear of tragedies, like we've been hearing almost day in and day out in this past week, the shooting of the policemen in the Central District, the shootings in Texas and Florida, we may feel helpless, frightened, not knowing what we could possibly do to help the situation. But we can be faithful stewards of the gift of prayer as we lift up the families and the colleagues who are grieving, the people who are wounded, and harder still, the ones who have inflicted the pain, not knowing how our prayers are ever answered, except that our own lives have been changed by choosing to respond in prayer and by knowing that God's love is enveloping those we are praying for. We also know without a doubt that there are those times when our prayers have been answered, when people have been healed and when lives have been saved or changed in response to prayer. Almost everyone who has prayed has known mysterious turns in life in which one has traced God's hand in answer to prayer. Over the years, I have had many conversations with people who have told me stories that go something like this. One person I know had been exhausted, struggling with family problems. At nine o'clock at night, one night, she suddenly felt this powerful feeling of peace wash over her. And she knew, oddly, that everything was going to be all right. Now she has a friend who is part of a prayer circle. And so she called that friend up and asked her, did you pray for me last night? Yes, yes, we did, the friend answered. 
Was it about nine o'clock, she asked. Yes. As a matter of fact, it was, her friend answered. I thought so, she responded. In the words of the poet Alfred Lord Tennyson, more things are wrought through prayer than this world dreams of. Than this world dreams of. Pastor and Professor Tom Long has offered a good mystery, a good summary of the mystery of prayer. He writes this, Prayer is not a message scribbled on a note, jammed into a bottle and tossed into the sea in hopes that one day it will wash up upon God's shore. No, prayer is communion with God. We speak to God, but God touches and embraces and shapes and changes us. Whether we pray for rain or we pray for sunshine, our prayer is answered because in the act of praying, we receive the gift we really seek, intimacy, communion with God. God is calling us to pray. Throughout the Bible, God calls God's people to prayer. God wants us to pray. God yearns for our presence. God longs for us to, to share our thoughts and our feelings, our needs and our struggles. Over and over again in scripture, we read of the people of God being called to prayer. In the earliest Christian church, over and over again, we hear reference of churches that were devoted to prayer. That word devoted is used time and time again. These people were devoted to prayer. We were created to be in relationship to God and to reflect God's glory. And I believe that prayer is the source, the energy behind that reflection. Prayer is what polishes the mirror, if you will, of our lives so that we can better reflect the love and peace of Christ to a hurting world. So prayer is not some small thing we do a little of in worship and then we go home and don't do it again. It is not some marginal thing in our lives. It is not some incidental thing in the Christian life. Prayer, I believe, is at the very heart of the reason why God created this universe. It's as big as that. Prayer is the reason God made human beings in God's likeness in order to reflect God's glory to this world and that we might be in communion with our God, our Creator. I believe that God is calling all of us into deeper prayer and that God is longing for all churches to become places of prayer where people pray together and places where people talk about prayer and struggle with their questions about prayer and share their experiences of prayer 
I believe that God has been shaping MIPC to be a place of prayer for many years, to be a praying congregation. But I know, and you know, that there are many ways. There are ways we can yet deepen our understanding and our practice of what it means to be a praying church, a place of prayer. I also believe, without a doubt, that God is calling you and me to a deeper relationship through prayer, a deeper, more intimate relationship with our Creator. We are being called to the place of prayer. Friends, do not worry about anything, but in everything, everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to your God, the one who made you, the one who made you to be like the image of God and the peace of God, which goes beyond any human understanding, will guard your heart and will guard your mind in the presence of Christ Jesus. This is our promise. It's made to you, it's made to me, and it's true for you to claim today. Let us pray. Creator God, we know that young children don't find it difficult at all to bring requests or hopes or observations to their parents for discussion over and over again. We know that you have created us out of a heart of love in your very own image to be in a loving, caring relationship to you. And yet so often we forget to pray or we feel uncomfortable talking to you. Create in us the heart and faith of a child that we might run to our places of prayer the way a child runs to be embraced by the arms of a loving parent. We ask it for Christ's sake. Amen.